Episode 307, Maggie, say 307. 307. No? Say, I like school. I like school. You, Daddy's a good teacher? He is. Oh, great. Episode 307, Global from Asia. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Okay, Maggie. So, Daddy is being your teacher now. Is that okay? Okay. It's okay? What did we learn today? Can you come over here? Don't be shy. All right, I'm being a homeschool dad. <laughs> For years, I thought we could, you know, get her to English, English and Chinese school. But uh, in the end, I guess I just become an English teacher in China. <laughs> Seriously, I, it was inevitable. I had to get all the way to become married and have kids and I become an English teacher. There's a little bit of a taboo there, but I made it this far, but I guess it's just there's just no way to be a foreigner in China and not be an English teacher. So I've been studying how to teach English, not just English, but math and a couple hours a day. You know, I think anybody listening knows I like my morning work, my morning grind where I make usually, well, this intro outro I do in the afternoon, but my like writing and uh, content creation I do in the morning. So I do the afternoons for the kids' school. I like end of the day, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. I printed out tons of paper. Man, we're killing trees, but uh, don't want to do too much screen time with the kids. So so I got the homeschooling going, getting an apartment here in North China, Shenyang, right near the North Korea border. And uh, life has been adjusting. You know, some of our previous shows were uh, about that. And now let's get into this week's show. We have Rico. The, he's been on quite a few times with us. I He had just moved to Manila, and I was in Manila when we did this interview, and I had no idea I would be where I am now when we did this interview. It was uh, mid-March, so a couple of months ago, actually. And uh, we did it in ter- person. He, he, did, uh, he did a video interview. I, I, I'm still shy or lazy or to do these kind of complicated videos. So we mostly did audio. We did some audio video clips too. But if you remember the last time he was on the show, he was talking about uh, running his business, China sourcing business remotely from China. That was episode 246. Uh, if you want to listen in the archives. And so he, he's done it. He's been able to operate outside of China, his Source Find Asia business. And he's uh, must be busy as heck now with this whole PVE stuff. And But a couple of months ago, we were just talking about that. So we just want to kind of follow through how his transition to be running the business remotely has gone. He has always given some really good, valuable insights and shares his strategy. So let's uh, let's tune into the show. This is episode 307. Do you want to buy from Factories Direct? Maybe your MOQs or you want to get some support buying with others. Loadpipe.com is our new startup here in the community. It is a group buy from Factories websites. We work with QC companies like Rico and others, and we want to be a community effort. We have webinars and more. Check it out at www.loadpipe.com. I also put a little cool cartoon video on there.
Okay, we're here in Manila, content Saturday afternoon, man. Yeah, man. It's been a long day of uh, making content. We got some short videos. I think I'll add some of the clips. And then Rico here, CEO of Sourcefind Asia and the host of the Made in China podcast. What is it, third time, fourth time? On, uh, fourth time, fourth time, long time. Fourth time, yes, I think it's the fourth time, yeah. Wow, man, fourth yeah. time on this show. Yeah, um, yeah we, all, we often have each other on each other's shows, so definitely if you guys haven't checked out Made in China podcast. Yeah, and I started off as a listener. Wow, cool. Yeah, back, back in 2012, 2013. When did you launch the podcast? Uh, this is 2013. Okay, so the first year of the podcast I started awesome, off. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, uh, 2013, that's when I started listening to the podcast, yeah. It's great, man. So, so we're here in Manila, it's, it's uh, March, early March 2020. It's fantastic weather. <laughs> it's good weather, it's hot, I'm sweaty, man, even though we're out of the it sun. It gets much hotter than this, but it's not humid, that's what I like. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not so humid. It's better here than, uh, <laughs> I don't want to rub it in for our friends in China, but it's, uh, I guess, <laughs> and my, my wife and kids, but, you know, uh, I guess it's uh, not a bad place to be stuck, right? No, no, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, if, if, uh, if you were to choose, you know, a couple of different countries to be stuck in, I think the Philippines would be high up on my list. Fantastic weather, amazing people, uh, cost of living is lower than most countries, at least most countries with this level of development. Um, you know, if you're single, the women are nice as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, dude. Yeah. And also, I mean, the biggest thing for me, in terms of picking a place to live, besides the lifestyle aspect of things, was the entrepreneurship, um, the entrepreneurship elements, and, and um, meeting the guys from the Refined Alpha Rock and some of the other entrepreneurs that I met. There's just a lot of entrepreneurs here that are doing big things, like big things in the e-commerce space, um, which is tangentially related to what I do, right? And so I learn from them because they're my clients, and at the same time, um, I learn from them just from a business perspective. Definitely, definitely. So let's uh, let's circle back. So last time you were on the show, you were talking about you were talking about moving here and operating out of China, and yeah. the show was all about how do you run a sourcing business out of China. Yeah. And I remember we had some talks. So, do you remember when that was? It would have been because uh, we we did a double podcast. I'm trying, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember where I was sitting. It would have been just after I came back from the Philippines last year. So I would have say I would say it was like February, March. It might have been exactly a year ago. Okay. It might have been like March 2019. Okay. That yeah, that sounds like it. It does feel right. Yeah. It does feel right. Yeah, because it wasn't during the summer. It was like, yeah, no, it was March. March. Okay. I would bet money that it was March or April 2019. Okay, so yeah. one year later. Yeah. Um, I guess the big question is, this is sooner than you expected, right? I think we have said it would be longer. I know. So I was, I was planning on being here in April, um, but last year I was kind of flirting between March and April. Okay. Um, but yeah, I kind of had April in my mind for the last four or five months, and then I ended up beginning of February coming here and at the time I, I was literally thinking like ah, you know the coronavirus will blow over in a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll go back to China at the end of February so I had a return ticket I was in Indonesia for three weeks half vacation half work sort of thing Jakarta and, and Bali and my original ticket was to fly back to China on February 5th got cancelled no news as to you know when or 
when, when I could reschedule my flight. So I was like, all right, going to the Philippines in April, I do have to look for apartments. Might as well go to the Philippines now, look for apartments for two weeks, then go back to China. That was my, my thinking. So I arrived on February 11th. I had a return ticket for February 25th. And I just figured I'd reassess after about a week and a half. And I bought, like, I, I've learned my lesson from the past. I usually buy the cheap tickets, which are, yeah, like, non-refundable or whatever. I always buy a flexible. I spend the extra $100 for the refundable tickets or the flexible tickets. So I, I bought that one. And then after a week, it just didn't, there was no changes in, in China. So I just said, you know what, I'll just cancel my ticket and um, I'll, I'll stick around here till the foreseeable future. And then I just signed a one-year lease. We move in February, uh, March 15th. Awesome. So yeah, I know. Yeah. We met up when you got here in February. Yeah. So, so it's great and uh, it's cool. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. It's weird because I have, you know, the stuff in my apartment that I wanted to get and things like that. So that's the weird side of things. But I mean, it's not like I'm, it's not so far away from what I was gonna do in the first place. It's just a month and a half, two months earlier than expected. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I have my PlayStation 4 with me, so I'm good. Oh, you're all set, dude. You got your <laughs> PS4. Nice. <laughs> and your sake. We're enjoying. We're in a what's this place? Nikkei. 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 It's um, one one uh, Bonifacio High Street Mall, okay. right across from Shangri La, uh, in BGC. So you know this. The, we're in the second floor. In the second floor, they have a couple of nice restaurants. There's also some in the mall. But there's a nice little patio here, so we have good weather, good sunshine. It's also not that busy, so we've been able to, to get some good content. Yeah, man, we spent a whole afternoon here, sushi and, uh, and, uh, and recording content, video, audio. Yeah, for sure, man. It's fun. So, so let's say, I remember when I was, uh, well, you just said it, I want to hear. So you, you, you listen to those two Steve Marsh episodes? Yeah, because I, because I, when, I, when you were asking me the questions, Okay, so there's two things that I remember about that episode specifically. So I remember in the moment, you were like, you sounded very worried or skeptical about how I could make it work with, the, uh, with you know, not being in China yep, frequently yep. with, I guess, the type of business that it is, uh, manufacturing, consulting. And then you said you should listen to Steve Marsh's thing. And um, I, did, I did listen to the two episodes that he did. The first one, which is like one of your... It was a long 30, time ago. Like top 30 episode? Like it was like episode 34 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was very, really. I recorded very it on the rooftop, on the rooftop of one of his uh, his apartment. He had a yeah. penthouse in Checo. Yeah, it was a very early episode. And then the second one was like an update. Um, okay. But one thing I, I, I realized when I was listening to that episode, the difference between the, the difference between his business and my business is that I think a lot of the stuff that he was doing revolved around buying and selling. So he was buying the product and selling it to his, his consumers. Whereas for me, I, I operate more in the consulting role. So the aspect, the people, the people are paying us for my expertise and the way I've set up my business. So one of my employees could start up their own company tomorrow, but they can't offer better prices than what I can offer because my, uh, my customers are paying factory direct, right? There, there's no buying and selling aspect with me so I was like when I was listening to it I was like that's the, the main thing I yeah. think is the difference is that people are buying into my my philosophy my culture me as a person and my employees buy into my philosophy my culture as a business um, if one of my employees decided to start a company a sourcing company tomorrow and contacted my clients my clients would say well what's the point of me working with you 
when I can still work with Rico? Like, I mean, what, what, what benefit is there? I'm going to save, like, what? You're going to charge a smaller consulting fee? It's not going to be that much got it, in, got the, it. in the long term, right? Yeah, so that's that's the benefit of being transparent, right? Yeah. So you're transparent where he... And his model was he was the he was the seller. He was a seller, yeah. They were buying from him as a, which is fine. I mean, that's we have clients like that, like um, um, some of the larger clients that we work with, they, like the like Cirque du Soleil and shit like that. They don't pay consulting fees. It's just that's not something that they do when it comes to sourcing. They just come and they they send out a request to a bunch of trading companies and they say we want this at this price. You guys figure it out. However, you're gonna build your margins into that. So. But but generally our business model is the consulting as the consulting fee as a separate fee okay. from the buying and, and selling of the product. Okay. Yeah. So maybe walk us through the transition. So at last year you were working towards this goal where you're at now. Um, it seemed like you had a really good manager that you had grown organically, right? Yeah, she's my oldest employee. Uh, she's been with us for so the company we're going on five years in June. Um, so she's been with me for four years. She was working with me, working for me part time when she was in college, and then when she graduated, she became a full time uh, employee. And uh, she just really bought into the the the, the culture and the, the philosophy that I have. And one thing I find interesting is like a lot of times when you interview somebody, right? Like if they say they want to start their own business, I think a lot of times entrepreneurs think that's a negative thing. I actually think it's a positive thing. She said from the first time we met, I asked her, "What's your long term? Like, what do you see yourself in?" Three to five years and i want to start my own business i said that's fine like work for me learn from me i'll teach you everything that i know you'll see a company grow from literally in my in my apartment which where that interview was happening in my apartment awesome so you'll see a company go from in my apartment to us getting an office to you know where where we'll take it in the next few years and uh, she bought into it you know and um, she was around even when i think we talked about this in one of on your uh, channel uh, we had some financial issues with one of our, one of our biggest clients left um, and she was she stuck around there and she, she bought into everything that I was talking about so the first the first thing I think is you have to have somebody in the company that you trust whether it's an employee or a partner if it's an employee you can make that employee into a partner so what we did was when we renewed their contract last year we basically gave her a two-year roadmap and said you know you'll become CEO of the company and we'll give you points in the, in, in the business. So we'll give you a small percentage if you ex, if you hit these, these key performance indicators. Um, and, you, and the result of that will be that she gets to be involved in some of the decision-making that she wasn't really involved in before. Um, she gets dividends when we pay out profits and stuff at the end of the year. Awesome. Um, and she also gets, you know, she gets just a little bit more control. And the other aspect is She's essentially running the office, right? So when I talked to her about that, she said, and I asked her, do you still see yourself like leaving us in a year to start your own business? Well, she said, well, if I get points in the company and I get to basically run the operations, I'm basically running my own business. So I don't really feel the need to go start my own thing now. Maybe I want to see where this takes me in five, 10 years awesome. and then maybe start my own thing. So that was the first thing is getting somebody on board who's going to be who's been with you for a while understands what you're trying to accomplish and is bought into the culture and then incentivizing them to stay on long term that was okay. the first thing that we did and the second thing was at the time i hadn't figured this out but figuring out the how we we're going to handle finances 
in mainland China when I'm not there. Yeah. Um, because yeah, we were doing it in a very manual way, literally taking money out of the ATM and depositing it <laughs> into the business bank account. And I was like, this can't go on. So and I discovered Goremin. Thanks awesome. to you, thanks to your blog, great, um, and they've been fantastic for us. Awesome, you know, I mean, of course, there's 1.2 percent. Yeah, they charge. Take a, they take a cut, and then uh, the, the exchange rates, and it's, it's, it can be a bit much. But the, the the price of that is that I get to be in whatever country in the world, and I can still access my funds from our Hong Kong bank account and get it into mainland within 24 hours, right? So that was. The next big thing was that, and then I still have control over the finances because what I do is like I'll transfer money from our, our HSBC or our NEET, and then um, Imogen, our project manager, uh, she will she has access to the Guru Mint. She can submit a request, request to transfer, yeah. and then I have to approve it. Yep, yep. So I still see all the money that's going back and forth, and I'm the person that transfers from from the main bank account. So at the beginning of the, every month, we'll set a budget for expenses and everything and I'll transfer that um, and then you know throughout the course of the month she'll she'll submit these requests and then I'll and, then, and we also have another expense we use Zoho expense to track expenses that's how we build, build our clients and okay. stuff like that so what was the software Zoho expense Zoho oh um, Zoho is yeah, yeah. Zoho. Oh, so okay. we use Zoho books Zoho expense yeah, Zoho. Yeah. Zoho CRM Zoho project manager. Oh, you use all of it. Yeah, okay. we're, we're we're fully integrated with Zoho. Yeah, it's, I know others that all are all in on that too. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but like, um, one of my favorite things is that now that we have a that's another thing that changed last year. Is we hired a salesperson, so I don't do the sales anymore of the business. Like, wow, that's completely outsourced. So what that forced me, it was kind of, I hired him earlier than I expected. He came on as an intern, but he reached out to me because he was watching uh, the YouTube channel. So. Awesome. So I basically built it out. So the way it works right now is like, we have an automation when somebody goes to the website and submits um, the, the, the contact us form. It goes to Zapier, Zapier then creates a contact in Zoho CRM. There's an autoresponder that allows them to book a call with the sales guy. Yeah, yeah. Once the sales guy has the call, he updates the uh, information in Zoho CRM. The contact is already made there. The, the lead is already made there. After the initial call, typically we're sending them a document to fill out, which makes, uh, if they're okay with the prices that were discussed on the call, gets transitioned into a deal. There's a Kanban view yeah. that shows, you know, the initial phases, contact, the different yeah, phases. phases. Um, so he, he will, every time he has an email, whatever, he moves them through the phases. Once it gets to closed one, it automatically creates a draft in Zoho Books for that service that they've purchased or are ready to purchase, which I will then go and review and send out. Nice. So it's like uh, the, the, the sales process has also been completely automated from that sense. Not completely, but yeah, it sounds great. very, very Thanks close to automated, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no, I mean, I was actually, uh, I, I've, I've been doing sales since I was 17. So, you know, it, it's a very natural thing that, that came to me and like I use CRMs and stuff. I worked in a call center as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, when we when we built it out, it was pretty cool to be able to see him. Me be completely hands off. Where I created a YouTube video that somebody found. Then they went to their website and they they, they submitted a form. There's an automation. They talk to somebody else in my team. That person handles everything. He communicates with the project management team. Creates a proposal. Uh, sends a proposal. It's accepted. Deal closed. 
then I get an email saying, hey, there's a new uh, deal that's been closed and check Zoho Books for the invoice. And I'm like, it's awesome. Man. That it's, is awesome. It's a, it's a really nice feeling. That's awesome. To see something that you envisioned come to life. Yeah, man, you work hard. You're you're yeah. always you're always working hard. So it's it's, uh, it's and that's why I'm in the Philippines now, so trying to figure out a little bit more of a work-life balance. Why? What, was do you, a, what do you mean? What does that mean? I feel I I felt like I'm very good at compartmentalizing my uh, my emotions and stuff like that. So like the past four or five years in China, I really just buckled down and I kind of put. The things that make me happy, not necessarily like um, everything, but a lot of things that make me happy, let's say the social aspect, hanging out with your guy friends, you know. I put that to the side and I was like, I'm just grinding. I just go to work and I go to the gym and I go to work and I go to the gym and I podcast and it was just that kind of thing. And I realized coming to the Philippines when, when I was here last year for three, four months in total, you know, doing Muay Thai, meeting cool people, going to the islands once in a while, getting a massage on the weekends, like little things like that. I was like, I miss this. And then also just the camaraderie of hanging out with other guys and um, just joking about life and talking about business. And yeah, I, was, I, I became very uh, isolated in China. For mm. a bit. And, and part of that is because of what's been going on in the last couple of years, like a lot of my friends left. Yeah, China's been on a down, I don't know, Exodus of foreigners, yeah. even the uh, Serpents Out, Winston, yeah, YouTube, exactly. all of us, man, all of a us. A lot of you left. I mean, you I left. Left. when you left, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. If Mike left, like that's... Zach Franklin. I mean, yeah. I think a bunch of listeners, you know, like I don't want to speak for them, but even some others, I don't think would leave either. And especially the virus, but the trade war, the immigration is getting more difficult. Yeah, I think the first thing was the immigration, like two, three years ago, started to become. A little bit more strict. Yeah, they really started visa renewals and stuff like that. And then, of course, the trade war ramped that up even more. Especially if you're from America, um, <laughs> I don't have that that problem in particular. But, um, and then, of course, now with the coronavirus, it's just like it just seems like every year it becomes more difficult to be an, a foreigner in China. Yeah. And I mean, I never planned on being in China forever, so. I'd already start thinking about moving out of China and all of these things have just sort of accelerated that that process. So yeah, you're a little bit ahead of schedule. So you, yeah. how does it, how does it, well, I guess the virus, I don't know. We just talked a lot about on your podcast, but uh, well, just, let's I'll try just, not to go too much into the virus, into the virus but aspect, yeah. a little bit, but I mean, as far as the operations, and you being here, you've yeah. been, you were also in I'm Bali. Actually, I'm actually, well, that was all vacation. When I was in Indonesia, I explored the sourcing aspect. I actually made a few contacts. Um, I learned a lot about that, I, I, but let me just finish the work-life yeah, work yeah. balance yeah, point that I was making. Yeah, let's talk about that, sure. So, um, so I, it's very difficult when you're so focused on work and you're isolated to get that work-life balance. And I said, I'm very good at, at compartmentalizing that. One thing was when I was here for two months, I created this lifestyle where I was like, I had healthy meals delivered to me for $50 a week. You know, so I'm not thinking about cooking and I'm eating healthy. Then I'm doing Muay Thai four times a week. And then I'm working out of a nice co-working space in the Google, the same building that Google is in. And then I'm going to the refined in the afternoon, working in the refined. Uh, 
if you don't know what their find is, it's like a gentleman's spa. You, there's a, a bar, co-working space, barbershop, and a, an actual spa. So I'll be at their find, and you know, I'll hang out and I'll network a little bit, and then once in a while I'll get a massage. And it was just like I was actually more productive that way because I was happier. And when I went back to China, I was like, man, like I, I, I if I stay here, I think I'm gonna become depressed. You know, like if I stay here, if I'm permanently here, I don't mind being in China for like one or two months at a time. But if I'm living here and this is my home base, I don't think it's going to be good for me, my mental, physical health. And no, it's not going to be good it. for no, my business. I get it. Yeah, so you mean you got this taste of this lifestyle. Yeah. I know a lot of your clients and a lot of listeners for years, digital nomads are down in Southeast Asia. And yeah. They always were telling me like, come down here. Why are you in China? Why are you in China? Yeah. And uh, yeah, now we're all we're all down here. And I spent less money here than like yeah, for, so. I mean, I would say my average living expenses in China are around three, three k, three and a half. Spending the same if you're spending three three and a half k in the Philippines and Manila, like you're living a pretty lavish lifestyle. You've got a maid, you've got an amazing condo. You're probably going to one of the nicest gyms in the city. You can eat out when you want to eat out. Like it's just like it is a much more lavish lifestyle. So all of those things, man. Like I, yeah, just having that work-life balance. Um, okay. So then you got that taste last year. That was after the recording. Yeah. Yeah. So we. So then. Well, you, I had two, two, of two course separate you, situations. You had been so down. I had January, I was here for a month, and then after the recording, I came to the Philippines for two and a half months. Okay. That's when I had the point. I got into the routine of yeah, what it that, would be like to live here. And like, now you, yeah. you got that taste. And you can't go back. Can't go back. Can't go back. Can't go back now. I tried. I tried when I went back to China. I, I, I joined a Muay Thai class. I started looking for uh, meal plan deliveries. Couldn't find the meal plan deliveries. Muay Thai was $300, $400 month. $400 a month in group classes in China. I pay $100 a month for a personal trainer in the Philippines. Wow. So it's just, yeah, once you, once you experience that, you're like, it's very difficult to. You know, so I took the red pills. So it's not negative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. From well, the op- I guess you wanted to talk about the operations. Yeah, let's hear. Let's just hear. I know there's a coronavirus, so prob- well, maybe you can talk about how it's affecting your sourcing company too. Maybe, uh, but I also want to just hear how the operations is going without you not without you not being you there. Not being there. Yeah. And get another one more sake. Yeah. For Rico. One more. Yep. Yeah. yeah, one more sake, please. <laughs> Um, we'll keep that in the show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> operations, operations is fine. So another aspect of, so you're asking me about uh, how I did the transition. So last year, the reason why I came to the Philippines for that time period was to test, to stress test this idea of being outside of China. So when I came and I was here for two months, concurrently, I saw problems. I saw things that happened within the business, the day-to-day operations. Where I was like, okay, we need to figure out solutions around this. One of the first things that I noticed was that my employees didn't want to go to the office. <laughs> like, yeah, they just weren't going to the office. And it's like, but they're still getting their work done. They just weren't going to the office. So initially my, my reaction was frustration and I was angry. And then I thought about it and I spoke to my business partner and I was like, well, like if they're still getting their work done and if my philosophy is I want, like I want to be location independent, why don't we just make the whole company 
location independent. Like, I mean, why do, why, why do they have to be in office every day? We can still have a, a physical space to receive samples for our clients and, and um, be able to process those kind of shipments and stuff. And we still need somebody to go to the office you know, two, two times a week, or two, but they don't have to actually work in the office from 10 a.m. to 6 every day. So I just changed the philosophy of the company. I just said we're a remote-based company and we, I sat down with our, our project manager and we wrote down new uh, bylaws for, for the business in terms of how does that work? You know, like, okay, so you can travel, but if you're going to travel for more than a week at a time, there needs to be a certain amount of notice. Um, we, if you're in the project management team, you can't travel outside of China for more than, I think it was like two weeks was the rule that we set, because generally we're going to need people to go to factories and things like that. Um, and then just because you travel, you still need to maintain the same work schedule and, and hours and you can't miss uh, team meetings and things like that. So yeah, we just we just changed the, the culture of the company because I saw that I was fighting against something that I couldn't I couldn't really fight against. Like, well, it makes sense too. You're like you said, you you want to be a lifestyle location independent, but it's kind of hypocritical a little bit because you, you you want the team to not you be. You want the team to not be. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, I'm the same. Like people editing the show, Alvin's awesome. My editor, you got Lord, I got Alvin. Yeah. Lord, Lord and uh, MD. MD's uh, podcast. Oh, okay. Lord is video. Oh, yeah. I, I actually it used to be separate, but Alvin's doing both now. Right. But um, awesome, man. So, yeah, it's, it, it's something also about values, right? So if it's your values, probably it's the company values. At, at the end of the day, yeah, I think that if you're the CEO of the company, however, you're, the company behaves the way you behave. Yeah. Right, especially if it's a small business or a startup like ours is like we only have like we have less than 10 employees so whatever I do whatever however I behave really does reflect on the rest of the, com the company so yeah it would be hypocritical for me to be like well I'm gonna be in Colombia for three months and go to the Philippines for six months and I'm expecting you guys to be in the office all day every day and then say yeah I'm the boss but at the same time it's like you know they see that they feel that right like they feel that you know so that's why some of my friends don't go on social media. <laughs> They're like uh, traveling and they don't want this. For me, I don't even post anything on social media, but the issue is that I have a YouTube channel yeah. for the business. So I'm, I'm recording stuff and, you know, and I'm honest with my team. Like if they ask me, where are you? I'm like, I'm here. This is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I just figured, uh, why not just allow everybody to do that and just put, implement rules around it. They can't be as free as I am, but you know, they can still enjoy uh, freedom that they most Chinese companies wouldn't allow them to have. Definitely, man. I mean, yeah. maybe that's changing with the coronavirus because they have to work online now. Yeah, a lot of people. Actually, that's an interesting thing. Is like most of the offices, like people were working from home. Yes. Factories were uh, people working from home. Yeah, I mean, uh, so of course we we talk a lot about it on your podcast, but let's add that element. You know, you're here in the Philippines. There's a coronavirus what's happening in China for you and your, your business? Okay. Yeah, so from an operation standpoint, I mean, I don't think it's different because like I said last year, I, I kind of stress tested this. Um, we just had to change because we have like one employees in the UK and another one's in Canada. So we just had to change sort of when we have our meetings, like the time. Um, so before we do the Monday meeting in the morning, now we do it in the evening. 
Um, and then we also started writing more reports, like actual, which personally is like not something that I stressed to them all because I, I believe more in using the project management software and stuff like that. But we actually now write. We always did a beginning of the week report, which was like, what are we trying to accomplish this week? What is the sprint for this week? And then we would review that on Mondays. But now we have two separate things, which is the the sprint for the week. But we also have an end of the week report that just sort of summarizes mm. what's happened during a week. Yeah. It's not as formal. It's more like um, this is what I did with these projects. This is the main issue that I'm having right now, right? And then the the sprint is more like I'm setting these goals, and this is we check off each one of those goals. So it's a little bit different. Okay. But it's necessary because that just allows everybody in the company to see what's going on. Yeah. Because those are the kind of conversations we'd have face-to-face in office, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so now that we don't have that, it's like we have to formalize how we report a little bit more than we were doing before. I would agree with that, man. I'm yeah. always writing updates to the team. Yeah. Yeah, I do like a week plan every Sunday. Well, I don't really do end of week, but we have daily work diaries. Um, and we, we have I try, I tried with the daily work diaries and we still kind of do it, but I just noticed like sometimes people forget. So it was always like I was chasing people to, to write the daily. Yeah, yeah, it slides in our company, but sometimes I'll, uh, I'll notice it's slipping and I'll just say, we might not pay for the days you don't do a work diary. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but if I see him missing too many times, I'm like, you know, like that's your like almost part of your pay. Yeah. So then they're like, they think it's not. Some of them think it's repetitive, but I try to get them put a little bit of different feedback each time. So. Yeah. All right. So yeah, okay. In terms of how it affected the operations, is fine. It's just been slower. Um, the factories are back. I'll say like. Like I said in my my update video that I recorded two days ago, uh, I would say the factories are probably ninety percent open, but the capacity is hard to judge. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's the tough part. Is like they just because know. they're open, we don't know if they have ten percent of their workers there. Yeah, so it's just hard to judge the actual capacity because just because they're open, they could be at twenty percent capacity. They could be at sixty. They, you know. There's and some of the factories are like, yeah, no, no, we've, we're, we're back to normal. Yeah, like, mm, they're never going to admit it, man. They're never going to admit. Yeah, and the thing is we can't go there right now. Mm. We can't physically go there. I can't just... Even your team in China can't go there? It's too risky. I don't want them to take that risk. Mm. You know, I don't want them to... Yeah, I just don't want them to go to a factory and be in a, you know, a small space with 200 people. Yeah. Yeah, so it's true. I mean, Chinese are never really, that's one issue. They're never really fully transparent. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, Chinese, of course, they're never going to say they're weak or they're not, you know, they're not doing, they're afraid to lose the client. So they'll probably never admit it, but I agree. I mean, after every Chinese New Year, it's hard. There's turnover. Yeah. But this year, yeah. especially, there's, there's going to be a significant huge yeah, turnover. So yeah. It's so already like, difficult for them to retain their employees, yeah. let alone when there's a virus spreading and virus. over the country. Yeah. Unbelievable and trade war. Well, I think uh, I think we had a good update. Um, yeah. So this, what's your next? What's your long term? What's your five year plan? It's Philippines. Five year plan. I, I think I'll definitely be in the Philippines for at least two years. Okay. I think um, after the Philippines, I want to go to South America. 
So my, my long-term vision, whatever, is always to, I want to live in different countries for six months at a time. And then I want to figure out which one of these countries is best suited to, to me. Like, you know, that whole idea of like, go where you're treated best. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like, in terms of my personal life. But then I always, when I do have a family, eventually, I, I want to spend half of my time in, in Toronto and half of my time somewhere else. So okay. when, it, when it gets cold in Canada, I'll leave. You're like a snowbird, man. Exactly, exactly. When it gets cold in Canada, I'll leave. Are you retired? You're like a retired old man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't want to be in the winter. That shit is, that shit is rough. I, I don't mind going into winter during Christmas for like a week, a week and a half. You know, celebrate Christmas and then leave. But uh, if you're there for eight, winter is literally like eight months of the oh, year, man. seven months of the it's, year. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. So yeah, I have no interest in that. But um, in terms of the business, yeah. So. Um, I plan on this year diversifying uh, where we source from, but beyond that, I want to launch a course. Okay. So the issue with the consulting business is you're limited, your your growth is limited by sort of the resources, people, yeah. you know, the people, right? Um, so the more we grow, the more clients we go, we get, the more people we have to hire, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is not. I don't want to have a company with a hundred people. I just don't. I do, it's too many people to manage. It's very stressful. I don't want that kind of overhead. So how do we expand our revenue beyond uh, keeping a niche clientele and charging a premium for our services? Is to uh, to create courses and coach. Awesome. So that's sort of what I want to do. So this year I'm going to start a, start with a course, and then I'll, I'll sort of build beyond that. Okay. Um, expanding the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm, Planning on hiring a full-time videographer, so we're gonna. I, I just bought a DSLR in January, so uh, the content is the, the quality awesome. of the content's gonna go up, and then we're gonna be doing more stylized filming, you know, vlog type stuff, awesome. documentaries around business in China and then Asia as a whole, and then um, I'm launching. I plan on launching a product this year as well. Wow, man, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just expanding that, those those aspects for the next two to five years, and you know, I mean, eventually, I want to get into investing in businesses and real estate. But okay. That's that's further down the line. Big goals, man. That's great. Well, you've gotten pretty far already. Congrats, and you you're doing it, dude. Last year, you said you were doing, you you did it. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, the thing is, like, when I set goals, like, it, it might. I was th- I was actually doing a podcast a couple of weeks ago with uh, my business partner Mike, China Mike. And we were talking about our 2019 goals versus 2020. It's a podcast that we do every year. Awesome. Um, so we've done it four or five years in a row. One thing, one thing I was saying is interesting listening to myself three, four years ago because I've become so much better at setting goals. Part of it is because I've been doing masterminds for the past six years. And when you're doing masterminds, you're setting goals for the week. One thing I've learned is how to set goals long term and then break them down into things that I do every week that feed into the long-term strategy, right? So when I set some of these, some of the goals that I just mentioned, they might sound big, but a lot of this stuff I've already been working on for the past six months. I just didn't formalize it, if that makes sense. Right? Yeah, yeah. So like the product idea, so I already have a product, I already have partners in place. We have samples that we've already done. We just haven't you know, taken that leap. So it's like, then I'm saying, okay, this year we have to take that leap, right? So it's more so, I set goals, that are around things that I'm already doing. I just haven't 
formalize that and put it out into the universe in a way? It's uh, affirmation, visualization, yeah. you just get closer, closer to it. I think you also meditate, right? Yeah, I meditate as well. Yeah. And just the, the, the accountability of writing it down. and Yeah, so I mean, it's just like, yeah, and the other aspect is the accountability of telling people that you're going to do something, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah, no, I, it's all positive, man. Like, I really, I'm really happy to be in the Philippines. Like, I think from a lifestyle and health perspective, it's going to be awesome, but also from a business perspective, it's going to be awesome as well. Awesome, man. Congrats. It's exciting. It's crazy times and exciting times, but yeah. keep on keep I'm, I'm positive, to, I'm keep taking positive. action. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think we'll get ready to wrap up. What's some ways, I guess, you know, you've been on a show a few times, we'll put in the show notes, but what are some ways people can find you and your business? So if you want to you wanna hear me uh, proselytize on life and business a little bit more, you can check out the Made in China podcast. Source Money is a YouTube channel. So the Made in China podcast is more interviews uh, with other entrepreneurs in uh, the business space. And then uh, the YouTube channel is more manufacturing focused, so it's more talking and videos. And then, of course, if you're going to reach out to me, it's sourcefinasia.com slash contact us. Awesome, man. Thanks, Rico. Thank you. We had an amazing last GFA VIP members call for those VIPs. It's a, it's a small group, but we are focusing on quality over quantity. It was about 10 people on this live call. Ching Jo, she was on the show a couple weeks ago doing this meditation i don't know we're getting a little bit too woo woo here i hope we're not driving everybody here crazy but we do we are under a lot of stress and changes in that call but we have these different kind of calls and of course the private forum private groups to give those that want to give us a little bit of their time and to, of course some of their money we would love to have you join our gfa vip membership it's a yearly membership where you can get an inside of meeting with me and others talking about the outsourcing stuff we're doing our joint ventures with e-commerce projects of course here behind the scenes things at load pipe do some masterminds and we have these other kind of meditation ones we're even adding now so it's some cool stuff if you want to get on the inside gfavip.com okay thank you so much rico for sharing i hope everybody enjoyed that also we also had his video interview i mentioned oh he did a video interview with me we'll link that up in the show notes as well so you can enjoy that i think he's putting out a couple of days after this show goes online but we tried to sync it up up oh, school is going on outside <laughs> my wife does the chinese side mm. going back to grassroots here man grassroots the old way the villages the communities homeschooling i mean this is probably what anyway i'm getting distracted here but uh, it's uh, it's all good here. Rico is still in Manila, I believe, and we're just we're just all busy as busy as heck. This whole cross border industry, sourcing, trading, we got uh, all of us are just nonstop working. And uh, of course, people know loadpipe.com is our new group buy website for buying from factories direct. So you can check that out as well. Getting a Rico is, of course, supporting and interested to get involved as well there. So I hope everybody enjoys today's show and uh, also maybe starts homeschooling their kids. I know there's a lot of dads and moms listening. Maybe that's the future. I'm really thinking maybe my kids don't go back to normal school after this pandemic is over or whenever this pandemic is over. We have to live in it now. So when I heard school was going to be shut down longer... I just had to bite my tongue and say no more iPad, more uh, paper, 
lessons and I printed out all this stuff from the internet. Maybe we'll have a show about that in the future. And, uh, but I've, I've talked to others that have been homeschooled and, uh, we got the social stuff. There's still kids running around outside all day. Maybe, maybe this will change, change the whole world of education and life. So I'm going to stop rambling here. It is the end of the show. Episode 307 over and out. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.